All right. Good evening, everyone. Glad you stayed in church, even when you found out that I was preaching. So, <laughs> you know, you're getting old when um, you can remember when all of those four singers were born. And um, I should remember one of them. She's my daughter. So, <laughs> but <laughs> I was just thinking. I was looking at them, thinking, "Wow, time certainly flies." That's for sure. Um, tonight, I want to um, just get some life lessons from the Book of Jonah. It's something that. Um, Jonah is a book in the Bible that I can really, I actually really like it. Um, I can really relate to the prophet Jonah in, in different ways. You know, it can, be, it can be difficult to discern the will of God for our personal lives sometimes. Other times, God is very, very clear with, with his will for us and we have to act. Like we heard from Brother Michael, he was pretty clear this morning that, you know, he felt called to do what he's doing and, he, and he's doing it. So there's knowing and there's doing the will of God. And when we look at Jonah, he knew the will of God, but he didn't do it initially. Jonah was an 8th century BC prophet, and he uh, ministered in the northern kingdom of Israel. He wasn't in Judah, he was in the northern kingdom. He actually lived near uh, Nazareth, so where, where Jesus um, grew up. And it's like I just mentioned, it is a book in the Bible that I really like. Um, you know, probably because I can just relate to Jonah in some ways. Like Jonah, I can find myself often doing things opposite to what God wants me to do. Um, sometimes I really like, dislike situations when they don't go my way, like Jonah. And I think also I can be a bit too judgmental and I think, you know, sometimes I think God should judge people because I think they should be judged. And um, we see Jonah did that too. And these are areas of my life that I'm in constant need of sorting out. Like the prophet Jonah... You know, you can come to the place where you find that talking with God about these things and sorting them out with him is the best remedy for it and then following up with those required actions that you're supposed to do. So tonight's message is not going to be new to most, most of the people here, but I really enjoyed putting it together and I hope that um, you can get encouraged and maybe just reminded of a couple of points as we go through them. Let me pray and then I'll, I'll get into the message. Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight. We thank you for your provisions to us. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word that it teaches us so clearly, Lord. We pray, Father, that you would help us tonight. I pray you'd help me especially, Lord. Help me to be clear. Help me, Lord, just to say what you want said. And I pray that um, everything will be of you, Lord, and nothing of me. I pray that all, uh, all glory will go to you also. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> In the book of Jonah, as I started reading through it, I just found more and more and more life lessons that we could apply. It's amazing. Like, it's only four chapters long, but there are so many lessons in there. Um, and I'll tell you what, this, this really happened, whether the liberals say it or not. You know, I read a few commentaries, and a lot of the people out there saying, no, it didn't happen. It was just a story. It was just Jewish fable. But the fact of the matter is, um, Jesus confirmed it happened. Um, Jesus is Lord of all, and if you believe that, and, and, he, and we do, then if Jesus said something happened, then it definitely happened. In Matthew 12, 38, through to verse 41, it says, Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall be no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. 
The men, the men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonas, and behold, a greater than Jonas is here. So Jesus confirms Jonah, and Jonah is also confirmed in another part of the Bible, in 2 Kings 14.25, uh, Jonah, the same, the same prophet, the son of Amittai, was mentioned there as well. So there's no doubt Jonah lived. Uh, multiple scriptures refer to him. But this book is mocked and scorned um, by the world and even some professing Christians who lack the faith just to believe the word of God as God's given it to us. Don't make that mistake yourself. You deny the power of God when you do that and it's very unwise. So if you turn to the book of Jonah, uh, we'll make a start there obviously. If you've got a deacon nearby, you might have to help him find that. <laughs> if he brought his Bible. Sorry, boys. <laughs> All right, uh, Jonah. Let's look at... I'll read the first chapter because we want, to, we want to get the layout there. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, and if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said every one to his fellow, Come and let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us? What is thine occupation, and whence comest thou? What is thy country, and of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am an Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which made the sea and the dry land. Then, the men, then were the men exceedingly afraid, and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up, cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. As a side note there, your sin often deeply affects others, just as, a, just as a, we have to be careful of that. Reading on verse 13. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done it as it pleased thee. And they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging." Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered up a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. 
Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So the first point, it's just a real simple one. First point I want to cover is just because things seem to work out doesn't mean God is for your choices. Let's look at those first three verses again. You can see here that Jonah is God's prophet. His job is the ministry. Jonah knows that God is speaking to him. Jonah knows exactly where to go. Jonah knows what to say, who to speak to, and he, needs, and he also knows why he needs to do it. God leads him in absolutely no doubt of every single aspect of what he has asked him to do. Don't you just wish that we had that clear guidance all the time? <laughs> but, you know, we do. The Bible's pretty clear to us. Um, a lot of the things that we're meant to do are very clear, but we just don't obey most of the time. <laughs> but Jonah doesn't like God's plan for him at that point. He does the opposite. He goes in the opposite way, in rebellion, to the clear will of God for his life. Um, and he knows exactly what he's doing because in his pride, he thinks he can hide from God. He actually thinks that he can flee from the presence of the Lord. And it's just very convenient for Jonah. When he does decide to flee in the opposite direction, he goes down to Joppa, down to the port. And there he goes, a ship ready to go. Oh, must be the Lord doing this for me. He had enough money in his pocket to, to pay the fare. Um, and, you know, he just thought, wow, this is ready to go, right, the, right where I want to go. God's prepared this ship, and I've got enough money. It must be of the Lord. He couldn't have been more wrong. <clears throat> How often do we do this? When we know we want to do something or to have something, we want to watch something or be with someone or take something whilst knowing full well that God has told us otherwise, whether it was through his word or through an earthly authority. Yet we persist. We want what we want. And to our joy, sometimes we find out we get our way and we can even sometimes praise God and thank him for his provision because obviously it was the hand of God who did this. Wrong. You will pay dearly for your disobedience as we see what happened with Jonah. We are deep in sin and God sometimes just may be allowing these things with the intent for us to receive a lesson that he needs to teach us. And that's going to be very difficult. Um, so we learn that his ways are the best ways to follow and it's just obedience. Simple obedience is what is required. Consider the prodigal son. Out of the father's will, he prematurely requested that he would get all that, he would, that was due to him if his father had died, but his father hadn't actually died yet. So this was a slap in the face to that father. The father was worth, the son was telling the father that you're worth more dead than alive and I'd rather you're dead, so just give me all the stuff so I can go my way. He wanted the goods more than he wanted the person. But he received his wish and I'm sure he thought it was all good while he lived it up. Only he come back crashing to earth when reality bit and he ran out of money. This is what we do to God <clears throat> when... Um, we want to do all we want to do instead of just fellowship with him, and that's what he's craving from us, that fellowship. We, we turn and we do what we want to do. We need to know our Bible. We need to follow godly counsel from the God-given authorities in our life. We have to use wisdom and discernment before we act rashly and actually move away from God's will rather than drawing near to him because we're disobedient and we misread situations. Just because things are working out, it doesn't mean you're in the will of God. Just be careful of that. The second point, when you realise you've got it wrong, repent straight away. Just flick over to chapter 2 now. I really do, um, 
I love this heartfelt prayer of repentance. Um, you know, prayed right from the, the guts of a whale or great fish, you know. It's, of all the places to pray, that's one of the worst wild ones. But um, I'll just read it. It's only a short chapter. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep, into the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to my soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped around about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainteth within me, I remember the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. The Lord acted once Jonah had truly repented. You know, as I just said, he prayed from the depths of despair, you know. And no matter how far we've fallen, no matter what sins we've committed, no matter what places our feet have trod, or no matter what words we've uttered, if we pray that prayer of repentance in faith, God will hear you and answer you and he'll meet you where you're at if you truly are repentant your actions will show that you are repentant like john the baptist preached you bring forth fruit meet for repentance your words are hollow if your actions aren't following through jonah describes his lowest of low situation and realizes something very important in verse 8 in verse 8 it says they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy if you're going to follow your heart, your own desires, or this world's way of thinking, then you're observing the lying vanities that Jonah realised. <clears throat> Jonah actually quotes several psalms in that prayer. If, if some of that was familiar in that too, he actually quotes, I think it's six different psalms in there. So we too can use God's word in this way when you just don't know what to pray. He loves hearing his own word. So that's something you can do when you just don't, don't have the words. And maybe Jonah was in that position. So he just started the Psalms that he knew. He started quoting them back. The moment you believe the lies you tell yourself for the lies of the world and the lies of the devil, the, you forsake the mercy that God has for you. you. If you're a follower of him, you forsake that mercy. <clears throat> when you do things his way, he provides grace and mercy for you to be carried through the most difficult of times. This is, you find yourself, when you forsake that mercy like Jonah had, you find yourself in those hopeless, desperate situations where you can see no way out. Like Jonah, you have to repent, truly mean it, and God will be there to work for you. Thirdly, when you come back to God, you'll have to meet him where you left him in the first place. How wonderful it is that God is a God of the second chance. I wonder how much we live our lives out of the will of God and he has to wait for us to repent and come back and come back to our senses. 
You know, the story of Jonah could well have started at chapter 3. Those first two chapters are unnecessary if he just obeyed. Chapter 3, it just basically restarts again. And Because um, you look at chapter 3 and it says, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. Differently here, this is where it changes. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. There's a stark difference there between verse 3 of chapter 1 where it says, But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish. And that's where the difference happens in this, in this story. For us today, how much baggage and bondage do we rack up in our life when we stray from the will of God? How many burdens do we now bear? How many cares and sorrows we're going to carry? All because we strayed from his will. And now we have to carry the consequences and the memories of that sinful life when we're away from the protection of the Father. <clears throat> you know, Tarshish was the opposite direction to Nineveh. In fact, there's actually, it's actually disputed where the location of Tarshish was. Some people say it was far away as the south of Spain, when you go west from Israel into the Mediterranean, and that's about 3,000 kilometres away. But most people are thinking it's on the island of Sicily, which is about 2,000 kilometres away from Israel. So he really tried to get away from God. He tried his hardest. Nineveh, on the other hand, is east of Israel. It's, it's actually in Iraq. If you've heard of the city of Mosul, that's actually Nineveh. You actually go on your Google Maps and have a look and some of the places are still called Nineveh on the east side of the river. <clears throat> and that's about a thousand kilometres away by road. So he, he was trying his hardest to get away from God. You know, and whether it's books I used to read or whether it was the Sunday school stories I got told, I always assumed that Jonah got spat up in Nineveh. I don't know why, I, just, I must have read a book and... And I just thought, I just assume that. I don't think so, though, because Nineveh's landlocked. The nearest sea is about 600 kilometres away. So whoever sold me that one, um, I mean, it's all possible with God. Now, I just did a quick, just out of my interest's sake, to see if this is possible. Unless the great fish swam all the way out of the Mediterranean Sea, so, you know, then it went all the way around Africa, and then all the way back up into the Persian Gulf, then once it got there, it then had to go a thousand kilometers up the Tigris River. <laughs> and, and then, and in three days and three nights, it would have to travel at 350 kilometers an hour. So <laughs> that would have been some sight seeing this whale belting up the river. <laughs> but um, so I, I came to the conclusion that God could definitely do that, there's no doubt. I'd, I'd believe it if the Bible said he did it that way. But I came to the conclusion that Jonah got spat back out of Joppa. I truly do. I think he just got spat out right where he walked away from God and um, right where he left the Lord's will and that's where he got spat out. And I think, I think when you look at that, it says the word of the Lord came unto Jonah a second time saying, arise, go to Nineveh. So he wasn't at Nineveh. So the, he, he, I think he just got spat out where he left God. And um, just like that prodigal son in Luke 15 who had to return to the father who was lovingly waiting for him, we too need to return to our loving father who was awaiting us to repent and return in obedience to the place where we left him. Have you stopped praying? Have you stopped reading your Bible and you're now feeling that separation from God? You need to return to his word, return in that, the daily devotions, that communion with him if you want to restore that relationship. It's just not going to happen. You have to return. 
Have you lost your desire to attend church, to serve? Are you growing cold in whatever ministry you're serving in? Perhaps you've already departed from it. You need to come back and just plug away again and start serving, get around the saints and worship God again. You need to do this as God intended. He's made the church for us for a reason. You have to return to your first love. It says in Revelation that Jesus, Jesus said, Nevertheless, I have this against thee, because ye have left your first love. What the Lord is really longing for us is not so much our works, but just a loving relationship with him the way it's meant to be. That's where God longs to have you tonight. The Lord is looking for that loving relationship with you. We are so often trying to substitute our works for that relationship and then we get tired and bitter because we don't think God's coming through for us. The Lord longs for our fellowship rather than just busying yourself for him and burning out. He wants our love and our fellowship. Revelation 2.4 also says, Remember, therefore, from whence thou art falling and repent. You need to remember where you were and repent means to turn around and go back. Go back. Remember where you've fallen and notice it says falling. It's backsliding. You've gone backwards. You should have a deeper relationship of love with the Lord tonight than ever before. Okay? Remember from whence thou hast fallen. Remember those exciting days of following the Lord wherever, wherever he might lead you. Change, turn, repent, whichever word you want to use. Fourth point, God is in the big and the little things that happen. We just need to obey. I found this really, really interesting just reading through. I've probably read through Jonah, I reckon, 10 times over the last few days. Um, but you just see the hand of God all the way through the book. It's just absolutely, God did this, God did this, God did this. And it's, it's something that's actually a contrast to, say, another book, like you think of the book of Esther, where the, the name God's not even mentioned. Okay? Now, it's obvious that God was moving there greatly in the book of Esther. But in Jonah, it's very, very clear. There's no impl- it's not implied. It's, it's clearly stated that God did this and God did that. Um, just follow me with these six verses. They're all in Jonah. But look at Jonah 1.4 and it says, But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. Look at verse 17 of chapter 1. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Flick over to chapter 2. Look at verse 10. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Go to chapter 4, verse 6. And the Lord God prepared a gourd. Verse 7. But God prepared a worm. And then verse 8. But it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind. Now, some of the things that God orchestrated there are actually huge events and mighty miracles. Obviously, yeah, everyone thinks of Jonah, you think of the three days and three nights in the belly of the whale. But you miss, you're missing it if that's all you take from the book of Jonah. Okay? There's so much more here. Things like uh, the raging storm and the sea, the great fish that swallowed Jonah, even the overnight vine that miraculously grew and shaded Jonah's head. All that was just a miracle. Okay? And only the Lord God can explain that. They're supernatural occurrences. And sometimes God will do mighty things in our life like that. Things like that is our salvation. The application of Jesus' blood to wash away our sins so we can stand before a holy God is an amazing miracle. And you really have to realise that. Also, things like his abundant grace to us when we sin, we come back in repentance, he receives us. Things like healing our infirmities. Also, things like giving us peace in situations where people in the world fall apart. 
These are rec- just recognize these are big things that God does for us and it changes our world. But in contrast, a worm that eats a vine, that happens every day of the week. Ask any farmer, ask my mum and dad how many worms they're trying to kill. You know, it's, that's not a miracle, a worm, but it says God prepared that. And a wind blowing in the desert, that's no miracle. You go to a wind, you go to a desert, you're going to get a hot wind, aren't you? But it says God prepared that. God orchestrated them as well as the mighty miracles that we see. The seemingly small, insignificant events, they played an enormous role in teaching Jonah what God was trying to teach him and in correcting his thoughts. Don't discount God in those everyday normal things that occur to us. God might just be using some normal, everyday things. He uses these things to teach us, to speak to us, to guide us in the way we should go. And he also then uses... Amazing miracles along with the mundane daily life things to guide us in our life. Discern, discernment is what is needed, discernment. Discern so you know that you can be led by God. Don't try to run from God. Don't try to hide from God. Surely God knows what's best for you. And for you to do anything other than what God wants you to do, you're only going to create misery and hell for yourself. You're inviting disaster. God knows what is best. Therefore, submit your ways unto the Lord and follow him. I mean, like I said before, I wish, you know, <laughs> there's, there's so much in this book. Like when we, when we start talking about Jonah and how grumpy he is that he actually has a revival and stuff like that, it's just an amazing book. There's so much more we can cover. We can talk about his bitter attitude because um, even after he's obedient and he sees this huge revival, you know, and he's just angry, angry man. But in patience, the Lord corrects Jonah. We see so many more applications. But the four points that I wanted to cover that I have, number one, just want to recap them. Just because things seem to work out doesn't mean God is for your choices. You run from God and you will eventually find yourself in the biggest storm of your life, just like Jonah did. The point number two, when you realize you've got it wrong, Repent straight away. Otherwise, you're miserable when as a Christian, you're out of the will of God. Number three, when you come back to God, you'll have to meet him where you left him. He will be lovingly waiting and watching like the prodigal son's father. And God is in the big and the little things that happen. We just need to obey. Look for God in all the events of your life. He's sovereign over everything. I really encourage you to go through Jonah. Read it for yourself. It's a great story. It's action-packed the whole way. And it's just one of those ones, it just seems to end unresolved. You know, it just ends with God just stating a question to him. And Jonah um, thinks he's okay to be angry. You know, he just thinks it's all good. He doesn't get his way, and he thinks it's all good to be angry about it. Jonah preaches, he reaps an enormous harvest of revival and repentance, but he gets angry at God because Jonah knows that God is loving and he's going to forgive them. It's just bizarre, his thought pattern. Understanding, though, the Assyrians, where Nineveh was located, were extremely cruel people, and, um, and they eventually conquered the northern kingdom. And there's actually, I was reading up some excavations that they, um, if you remember King Sennacherib, he came up against Hezekiah, they actually had some, um, they dug up some stuff in Nineveh about him and, and some of his um, journals that they found written on the walls were talking about the corpses in Babylon, how he stacked them up and he just spared no one, young or old. And he was just, it was like a big praise to him how he, how he treated them. 
So the Assyrians were extremely cruel, but God in his mercy spared them for many more years because they repented. That's a good lesson for us. Something that I noticed about Jonah is he becomes like the older brother of the prodigal son. That's how he ends up coming. He's unhappy that someone's come back and repented. And um, Jonah was, if you read a little bit later on, you'll see that while Jonah preaches and the city repents, he thinks, oh, maybe God will still wipe them out. So he goes, goes about and sits on a hill outside the city waiting for, I don't know, what was he waiting for? Lightning bolt or something to come down and destroy it? But he was just hoping that the city would still get destroyed. And, um, and so God, willing, wanting to teach him a lesson, he allows a vine to miraculously grow overnight and give him shade. And he's so happy for this vine. He just thinks, this is just wonderful. Once again, the Lord's blessing me. But then God prepares that worm, which eats the vine and kills it straight away. And Jonah was more upset that that vine died than he was that the city... He was more upset with that than, um, than he was that the, than he had joy that the city was spared, that 120,000 people got spared their life. You know, he, that didn't bother him. What bothered him was that, you know, his little pity party. So the older brother also, he was similar sort of attitude he had. He was happy to be given a party with his friends and things like that, but he was not happy that the son, his younger brother, had returned from the world and is now back home. We have to watch our spirit because people are the most important thing. What things do you need to sort out with God tonight? Perhaps you're in the place of the Ninevites were, where you need to turn to God completely and repent from your wicked ways and get saved. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ, and if you died tonight, you would not go to heaven. That would be tragic. Or perhaps you're like Jonah, and you are counted amongst God's people, but you've separated yourself from the will of God and you've found yourself in a place where the lies that you tell you have separated you from the mercy of God. You can change that tonight. Just need to turn to him in repentance, take the steps required to come back to him. Jonah's a really good lesson for us. Um, don't discount your Old Testament. There's plenty of good stuff in there. Um, and uh, we get our doctrine and everything from the New Testament, but we get plenty of learnings from the Old Testament. And I really encourage you to make sure you read your Old Testament as well. So I'll finish up there. I'll close in prayer. And then um, I think Brother Charles will come and finish this off. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight, Lord. And I thank you for what your words taught me, Lord, just going through this stuff. I pray, Lord, that you just help me to, to repent when I get things wrong, Lord. Help me to firstly stay in your will, Lord. Help us all, Lord, to want to seek your will to be done, Lord, and not our own. I pray, Father, that as we come back to you, as you promised, Lord, you'll receive us. And that, Lord, you will um, just be glorified in our lives as, as the wonderful God that you are, Lord. I pray, Father, that you'll just um, bless us as we leave tonight. And um, pray you just give us a good week ahead. In Jesus' name, amen.